Hi, this is Joran Albrick, son of Death Probe, nephew of Weasel Skull, godson of Dark Web, and you're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read, Read them, them all. all! Read them all! Yell it! Read them all! Read them all! Yell it! Read them all! <laughs> Say, read them all. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 45, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 189 and X-Men number 118 from November 1978. Welcome to the 45th episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christados. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many lawn boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps and reviews and ratings of this issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about them with my friends. And speaking about my friends, wow, can you believe it? 45 episodes. We're almost to 50. Stay alive, 45, baby. Oh, 45. <laughs> Works every Works time. every yep. time. So joining me, as you've heard so far, is we'll introduce Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. <laughs> Hello, Pat. Um, Hello. We have a special guest with us today, and I know you're going to get to him. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not going to tell too many tales out of school, but I know that he had a rough day yesterday at the hospital. And what I want to tell him, since he was at the hospital yesterday, is why does he get his life together? Why does he suck? I mean, Dane, just get your crap together. Care about other people and stop sucking. Yes. Jared, how dare you? Oh, I'm joking. Oh. <sighs> All right, I was out of line. <laughs> More of that where that came from. Oh, okay. That was way out of line, too. Yeah. I can't believe it. In that. case people didn't get it, that's my homage to the doctor and the Spider-Man. I know Delvin got it. I got it. I I'm going to go it. back on mute now. <laughs> well, let's take the next person off of mute. Joining me, as always, too, is Jason, the Weasel Skull Ulbrich. Well, Pat, thanks for having me. You guys are doing an adequate job. We need more training. Ulbrich, Ulbrich, the mm -hmm. lesser. You yeah, need to make sure. That's me. <laughs> that is you, just to be clear. <laughs> you need to make sure that you're getting this editing done. Pat, mm -hmm. Samson. Yes. I want you yes. on time next time, right? Dude, Plexico, I've been here the whole time. Flexico, <laughs> don't just think. Don't just think because you show up. You better be trained and ready to go. We're the ex or the uh, uh, long box you say, gosh darn it. <laughs> Thank you, Cyclops. Uh, Jason. Kelvin, why were you dressed in that Moses Magnum suit at the end of that issue? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a bit for that. Oh, so. boy. I can't oh, have a bit for that, Kelvin. <laughs> but then let's go ahead and move into that bit and introduce the dark web himself, Delvin Williams. You may have noticed where you live that there are huge fires and earthquakes going on. I hope that you guys have paid attention to that. And if you were wondering who did it, it's me. 
It's the master of the Williams force, Delvin Williams, because what else would I be the master of besides the Williams force? It's literally my last name. But beware. Ooh, ooh. I have been exposed to the Williams force for over two decades. (laughs) (laughs) It is a powerful force to be reckoned. It eventually leans, weighs on you after a while. You know, another 20 years, I'll have you. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sorry that our guest had to go through all this. (laughs) I don't even know what I call it anymore. (sighs) But let's go ahead and welcome our guest, Van Allen Plexico. Woo! From the White Rocket Entertainment Network and many other things that he does. That's true. Hello, hello. Always good to join you fellas. Always a good time. Always an odd time, but very fun. <laughs> Can you define that? <laughs> no, that's the point. But it's still, I'm glad to be here, I think. Well, we'll, we'll see at I'll the end. You know yeah. for sure. Yes. Are you exactly. feeling the Williams force at this point? I am indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, if man. you watch my body oh, no, 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 no. come on sugar. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, boys. I forgot. I, it's Wednesday. It's playtime for my little lads. I was just heading over to the liquor cabinet. Sorry about this, uh, Doritos. Uh, it's all right, Sean. It's all right, Sean. Uh, I, I don't know if there's little, anything left in there, though. There you, better be. Or th- there's an empty bottle that's going upside your head. <laughs> Whistle skillet. <laughs> Good to see you. Little probe. Nice, nice to see. Wait a minute. Who's this guy? Who's this stranger in the corner holding the Iron Man trophy? What's your name, boy? What's your name? Uh, who am I addressing here? I'm, I'm not in on the... You are not sure either. You are, do I need to break out my Academy Award? It's clearly Sean Connery. He lives in the Long Bars Crusade headquarters. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Well, well now you know who I am, sir. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> just just answer him. Just get it over with. See what yeah. we had to deal with for like the last... 24 episodes of Rookie Agents. <laughs> oh, I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> take what was job. it before you changed it? There we go. Okay. <laughs> Finally got it out there. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm an Academy Award winner. And you boys are whatever the hell you are. <laughs> Get my whiskey and bid you adieu. We have a guest on. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Sorry about that, man. He does this every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> hmm. We may have to start eliminating the access he has on his security card here <laughs> at the headquarters. If you want my body. <laughs> Don't you have a Jeopardy to do? <laughs> Ask him questions. He comes do back. Not, uh, <laughs> do not confront Oh, you want him. to talk Jeopardy? Oh, oh God. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking about somebody who won some awards, who thinks they're pretty cool, Jared, why don't you tell me about how fancy you are? I have won are. some awards, and I am pretty cool. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't done introducing me. <laughs> speaking of my fanciness, if you want to be fancy like me, what you want to do is you want to get your treasured comic books hardbound by OmahaBound.com. They do a really fantastic job, high-quality binding. They get creative on the covers. No two I don't think have ever been alike. They make original stuff. I've had several things bound. I recommend it. I'm talking about get that stuff that you know it's never going to get hard bound. I got my Chris Star bound, man. I got my Slingers. Mm-hmm. I got the Indiana Jones Marvel run. It's all hard bound. It's all wonderful. And I'm 
fancy. Oh, yeah. And OmahaBound.com does a good job. <laughs> you know, folks, he thinks he has all those things. What he's forgetting is that yeah. I was the guest at his house last week. And uh, some of those things may have made their way back. <laughs> so, no! Now, oh, I no. may be fancy. My fanciness <laughs> has been spread around, apparently. Well, this episode, as you can tell, is sponsored by Omaha Bound and, of course, Jared's fanciness, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you know what, though? We do have award-winning guests with us. You know, Van Plexico has won some of them Pulp Factory Awards. Oh. Uh, he writes them their books, mm-hmm. left to right, top to bottom. Generally the way. Yep. <laughs> the best order. Do you but, want to tell us about some of those, Van? Well, let's see. I've got 19 novels currently in print. Three of which won Best Novel of the Year, the Pulp Factory Awards in Chicago. And most recently, Miami Heist, the second in the Harper and Salsa crime series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, Vegas Heist, was set in 65 Vegas, obviously. Oh, there it is. Uh, Jason's got it. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the new one that just came out is set in 66 Miami and points south. And then I'm getting ready to start soon on the third one with co-writing with Alan J. Porter because it's going to be set in Monaco and involve Formula One racing. And so he has a good idea and we're going to get together and knock that out. You know who else had a good idea was to set one in Vietnam? You did, but it it was too good. It's not really a podcast tonight. We're just, I'm here to get you to... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm wondering if you could maybe name somebody Christatos in there. Ah. <laughs> that, that seems Italian. Well, who else like needs a... things from Van? This is no, there's <laughs> yeah. no podcast tonight. I don't need it. I just want to know <laughs> you're going to give it to me. <laughs> I'm just actually thinking that, that Christatos would make a good name for an owner of a team in Formula One. Mm-hmm, it like would. A Greek, a Greek team. Yep, he oh, could. There you go. He could fast cars and engineers, but no heroin. Bingo, <laughs> no heroin. <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. So make sure you guys go check out all the books that Van has to offer. Where can they find that Van? Hey, well, at Amazon, anything, uh, any, they're all on Amazon, and then you can just go to www.plexico.net, p-l-e-x-i-c-o.net, and there's links to basically everything. Very cool. All right. Now, I think before we get started with this episode's issue, we'll go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Annual Halloween party canceled. Haunted house shut down this season. Then come to the house party that no force can stop. The house of Frankenstein. The Supermates are throwing their annual bash no matter what and inviting some of your favorite horror stars. Lon Chaney Jr. Anyone who enters here without my permission will be considered a trespasser. Lionel Atwell. By heaven, I think you're a worse fiend than your father. Christopher Lee. Don't use long words, Inspector. They don't suit you. Evil and Anchors. We haven't been able to contact Count Alucard so far. Peter Cushing. I've told you before there are times when you shouldn't be alone. Bela Lugosi. He's mine. He don't belong to you. You go away. Barbara Shelley. There have been seven murders committed in the forest of Bandorf in the past five years. Basil Rathbone. But of course I know who did. Haven't you heard? The monster. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? And Boris Karloff. <laughs> Plus a few party crashers. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian or a vampire. And some amazing friends. Dragon time! 
poor thing! Let them take care of your friends, my dear. I'll take the robot, you take the wolf thing. Good, I've always had a way with animals. So RSVP to fireandwaterpodcast.com, iTunes or Spotify, and don't miss the one Halloween party you can count on to be scary, in a good way, not the 2020 way. The House of Frankenstein. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the featured comic for this episode, and that is Amazing Spider-Man number 189. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. It was published by Marvel, got a cover date of 1979, but its on-sale date was November 7th, 1978. Cover price says still 35 cents. Editor is Marv Wolfman, and the writer is also Marv Wolfman. Penciler, John, feel the burn. Anchor, Jim Mooney. Mooney! Get the Mooney. Still haven't got to work yet. <laughs> Letterer, James Novak. And the Color Me Bad colorist, Glennis Ween. Glennis! You can read along with us on reprints in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9, or also on the Marvel Unlimited app. And we hope you do. And leave some comments with us along the way. Cover credits go to Pencils, John Byrne, and the inker is Bob McLeod. Of the Clan McLeod. Of the Black There can be only one. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get a quick cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics banner soars like raw across the top, black with white letters. Spider-Man stands like Anubis in his blue corner box. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is red with black highlights affixed to the webs like Neef. The main action shows an unconscious J. Jonah Jameson being taken out of a high-rise window by a mummy. That's where my theme's coming from. Mm, got it. Spider-Man is on the scene and hopes to wrap things up as the mummy says, You're helpless, Jameson. Nothing can save you now. Spidey retorts, Want to bet, Bunky? A cover blurb reads, Who is the mystery menace? Okay, there's four of you. So, Pat, you're on mummy noises. Jason, you're unconscious J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Delvin, you get to make Spidey noises. Good luck with that. And since the high-rise van, you got to do the uh, the windy wind blowing through the high-rise up there at the top of the thing. Okay? And the, and the pigeons? You got it. Yeah, add pigeons by all means. Three, two, one, go. Okay. All right. There's a cacophony of wonderful proportions there. I got caught up in Jason's unconscious J. Jonah Jameson ramblings. Um, what was one of those? Can I get Kira one just solo? Uh, Spider-Man Venice. Uh, more money. <laughs> Cheat on my taxes. <laughs> That's all right. Good job, everyone. Hitler mustache. Good idea. <laughs> Charlie will, Chaplin mustache. Clearly, we'll make a comeback. This will make this bide your town, yeah, Jonah. Just I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> uh, I still think Marvel should call us and let us do sound effects covers. You know, like like you said it on the last episode, Pat. Like greeting cards. Yeah, you open you it open up, up or press the button and. Yep, Our sound sauce. effects. Yep. Mm -hmm. It'll bring the people in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Or even in the digital now, they could just you know embed a little MP3 when they get to that cover and say, mm -hmm. want to hear some sound effects? 
and you hit it, and there you go. Yeah, comes the long box Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cards up, pants down. Ain't got time to mess around. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Jason's making birthday cards. Like it's something. All right. Well, thank you, Jared, for that description. It makes makes me feel like I want to walk like an Egyptian. Hmm. <laughs> we don't even need to get the sound effect in now, man. You're good to go. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts, and we will start with our guest, Van. Uh, my impressions of the cover? Mm-hmm. Other than the impressions we just did of the cover? <laughs> <laughs> that, that different version of impression. <laughs> uh, this, this is a comic I bought off the spinner rack the day it came out. Wow. And I was very much sucked into the amazing Spider-Man storyline that Wolfman was writing. It's kind of funny that who the villain is. The mystery villain is, and it's written by Marv Wolfman. But anyway, <laughs> not to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like this cover. I thought it, the, the bright yellow catches your eye, you know, and the idea of a mummy because you're just not used to a mummy being a super villain. That just was kind of... And plus, J. Jonah Jameson in kind of a vulnerable position, whereas usually... He's in the kind of the dominant yelling at Spider-Man and all that. So mm-hmm. there's just a whole lot about this cover that really grabbed my attention. And I'm glad that I got it because it kept me going through that whole long storyline that Wolfman was writing. Were you collecting or getting them before then? Yeah. Well, you got to understand in 77 and 78, I didn't really have subscriptions yet. Sure. There were no comic shops within 100 miles of me. And so I got whatever... I got off the spinner rack at the drugstores, the grocery store. And so I tried to keep track of storylines in this and about seven or eight other comics at the time, Mm -hmm. but I would miss issues here and there of everything. So I didn't have full runs, even of actual storylines, but I had most of them. And I was really enjoying this one, even though I, to this day, have never actually held a physical copy of a lot of the issues in this run. But I did have this one for sure. I, I remember having this one. Very cool. Jared. Your thoughts, Bunky? Well, thank you, Bunky. Yeah, I think Van's right. I think the yellow plays really well. Spider-Man looks great there, hunched over the window. And yeah, I think the ultimate hook of it is the mummy. It's like we get to sort of mix the universal monster world with the Spider-Man world. And you know, I am down for that. So, I mean, the only thing that would be better if if it wasn't just a mummy, but was like also a werewolf and a mummy. But (laughs) that's not possible. How could that ever How could that be? But yeah, great perspective. It's wonderful. I mean, it's John Byrne and Bob McLeod. That's a good combo. And with that, I will pass it to Delvin. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. That was the correct answer. The what popped to me was Spidey. When I went to the um, comic book tomb, pulled this thing out, and I looked at the cover, I was like, oh, Spidey looks really good. Who drew it? And then looked at the corner, and I was expecting to see maybe a Pollard. I'm like, John Byrne? Oh, my. Okay. That's an attention grabber in itself. And so that is the main thing I like from the cover. It makes the entire cover pop, seeing Spidey in such a cool pose. I wish that they could have just shown who the menace was, rather than even wrap it up in a mystery. Because that probably would have put the cover in five territory if they actually just showed who the bad guy was. I would much rather have just seen the reveal rather than have it wrapped in the mystery personally, uh, but very well drawn, very good cover. Oh, I like the mystery. Really? I do. I don't know. It's just like you don't get to see him fight a mummy all that much. 
But I, I read your point. Different yeah. perspectives. That's what yeah. we do here. I mean, we talk a lot about the covers that have the main big bad guy on it and whether or not that's a draw. And I, I would rather have that draw than the mystery draw. Well, but he's only in one panel in the entire book, though, as as that character, though. So maybe that's not fair enough. Fair enough and true enough. Yeah. And the buildup from the last issue. Jason. Well, I'll throw my love for the Spider-Man art on the pile there. That action pose is outstanding. I also like the way that the artist renders out the perspective and the angles, and it adds to the drama and the tension. You can see those three little individuals down there at the street level. It gives you the perspective of how high up they are, and the kind of crazy angle gives you a little bit of a sense of vertigo. And the other thing I don't think we really talked about is Jonah on the cover. This is adds an element of danger, and you're like, oh, J. Jonah Jameson's kind of in trouble here, because you really it's up to Spider-Man to save him? <laughs> Spider-Man's probably like, uh, oh, no, uh, don't, don't drop him. Whatever will I do? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did I get my check yet? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so. That's not my paychecks, though. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, boy, that that is horns of a dilemma right there. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, and I I think I get what you're saying, Delvin. I didn't really think about it that way, but uh, it is kind of interesting to think what it would have looked like if they'd put who it actually was on the cover uh, as opposed to the mummy. But at the end of the day, I thought the mummy thing was kind of an attention grabber for me because I wanted to know. I want to see who is this guy? What's his powers? I think that mystery played out pretty well in the book. I think, I don't know. I don't think I was very surprised who it was at the end, but. But I think, yeah, they have been, but I don't know. I kind of like it. I'll stop there. Like you guys, I agree with everything you guys have said, especially about the mummy. I have something on that, a question or so, or my thoughts on it, but I'm going to save it till we get into the story. But I think it's kind of how you guys feel a little bit about the mummy and its look, but I'll leave it at that. But this cover had me at the word bunky. (laughs) <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were. Yeah, I was saying yeah. the bunkie for you. <laughs> I'm like, well, a bunkie on the cover. Who uses that word? No one in the history of anything has ever called anyone bunkie. A lot of people Wait do bunkie. Wait a minute. We did a bunkie we did, episode. We did a bunkie. We bunkie. Like five episodes. Yes, yeah. it's a bit. But Wolfman calls everybody bunkie. That, you've that's heard no thing. one ever in real life call anyone bunkie. Settle down, Chuckles. Uh, <laughs> easy pork face. <laughs> you people. Uh, no, but I, I thought that was really cool. I had to double check on that. Did he just say bunkie on the cover? I thought that was cool. But uh, everything yeah. else, the, the art on this is just great, so... Very nice looking cover. So speaking about that, let's go ahead and find out what our cover ratings will be for this issue. And as a reminder, we have a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, you just liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Fan, what did this do for you, the cover? One through five. Well, I would put it this way. It's not like an all-time classic spectacular cover or i guess in this case amazing cover but it's about as good of a non-spectacular cover as you could get i'm gonna give it a four for being a really really good good cover memorable would you say yeah yeah it's about as good as you can get before you get into great you know so it's just Mm -hmm. a good solid great you know four-star effort i'll say jason yeah i agree with van entirely i'm gonna throw another four on the 
pile. There is nothing technically wrong with this cover at all. That action pose of Spider-Man really grabbed me from the get-go. The only thing it's missing is a Class A villain. Uh, other than that, this this is a, a really solid panel, and in my opinion, earns a four. Delvin. Spidey plus John Byrne equals four. Very, very good. And I'm remembering the next issue's cover. I wonder if John Byrne did it. If he did, I might be giving it a five. But that's jumping ahead. Let's stick uh-huh. with this one. That is very nice, and it is a four. Jared. Well, we don't know what your score is yet, Pat. No, that's true. Right now, I'm going to boom, boom, lock a lock a lock a boom, and quote our sometimes roommate Sean Connery and say, it's a four. <laughs> Very good. All right, boys. Well, I gave it away there for me. It is a boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. boom. We're going to open the door and get on the floor. It's a four for everybody. Woohoo! I'm going to this cover a four. With that rating out of the way, let's get a story synopsis provided by Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. title of this book is Mayhem by Moonlight. Spidey swoops across the city high as the eye of the storm as he goes to see Aunt May off to a private nursing home. Pete's pretty happy because being case free from the law and some potential endorsement deals, he can become as rich as, say, Warren Worthington III? Probably Warren Worthington II too, but anyway, the same dog who has thrown Pete shade in the past almost gets snickety-snick like a Wolverine victim for lipping off the Pete. Pete feels bad for doing it, though. Meanwhile, J. Jonah Jameson does not feel bad for brushing off Robbie Robertson, mad because no one can find his missing son. J.J.J. goes off to brood, like Cyclops does from time to time, finding solace in the arms of his Jean Grey, Marla Madison. Slightly later on, fed up with no one finding his son, J.J.J. puts up a $1 million ransom for him. Wow. Spidey goes to thwart a robbery in a sporting goods store where he really wasn't needed. And let's be honest, is he ever? He butts in, like, a lot. It happens to get tracked by one mysterious person telling yet another mysterious person to track Spidey so Mystery Guy 2 can get both Spidey and JJJ together. That seems full of mystique, doesn't it? Mystery Guy 1 shoots up Mystery Guy 2 with some go juice and sends him on his mission. Mystery Guy 2 goes to the bugle and accosts Jameson. 
Spidey tries to stop MG2, but it was like a normal human trying to stop Colossus. Yeah, that works. And Spidey ends up on the business end of a brick wall, but not before unmasking the mystery guy who turns out to be Man-Wolf, a.k.a. John Jameson, a.k.a. J. Jonah Jameson's son. Oh, yeah, Man-Wolf doubled back and took out J. Jonah Jameson. He was super effective this issue. One more interlude to mention. Pete was on his way to tell Betty Leeds he should call it quits, and instead they ended up like Professor X and Lalandra when they finally met. Am I right? That means right. They, hmm? I said right. Yeah, yeah. That means they did the deed. That brown chicken, they, brown cow. They, that means they did the old thwip thwip if you get my drift. Like <laughs> I was just a spider sense tingling. <laughs> like I hope you did for my theme, since John Byrne was the guest penciler for this book. <laughs> I liked your X Men character weave in theme. Yes, I was gonna say. I was gonna say if you guys think of that one. Yeah, it's like a power. It's a power you have that you were born with. <laughs> yes. Well, Delvin, thank you for that excellent <laughs> recap. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the bricker brack for this issue, and we'll find out if it's a first read or reread. But I have a feeling this is really starting to fade away, <laughs> <laughs> except for me. But so it's a first read for me. Anybody else or first read for me? For me. Oh, I don't right. remember reading it. Okay, well, uh, we'll go. Jason. No, I read it, I read it <laughs> back in the day. It's been a long time. No butterflies <laughs> in our skies. <laughs> no. Four, what do we got? Four cool guys and the... And the guest. And yeah. the guest. The guest. <laughs> guest killed the rainbow this time. Oh. Reading rainbow. <laughs> Reading rainbow. <laughs> it's okay. We, we still <laughs> like you. Well, it's been son of a about 40 years since I read it, so I don't remember <laughs> a lot of it, but uh, it's in my box over there somewhere in the, cor- in the corner. Nice. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to some highs, lows, or what the. So we'll go around for a couple rounds of high, low, or what the's. And we'll start with Van. You got a high, low, or what the? I have one that is a high, a low, and a what the all together. Woo! Let's get crack a is. You know, I've read my share of Spider-Man comics over the years. He's never been one of my favorite characters by any means, but I can appreciate him. You know what I mean? I I value Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. I think he's a very important character, and I've read his, and I've bought tons of his comics. He's probably the character I've bought the most comics of that's not one of my favorite characters. You know what I'm saying? All right. Little Van liked him? Little Van bought him off the rack. Yeah. yeah, he's always just kind of been, okay, you know, he's okay, Spider-Man, he's all right. I, I never had a lot of sympathy for him. I always thought if I had Spider-Man's power, I'd go beat the living hell out of Flash Thompson on day one. <laughs> so I never knew why he just was like, oh, I'm not Spider-Man. No, I, I never understood. I, my brain and his do, are complete opposites. I would, to be honest, guys, I would probably be a supervillain if I had those powers. So <laughs> <laughs> I go back to high school and be like, yeah. I got powers, all you bastards. take your whooping. I would have killed the burglar. I wouldn't have let him go by. And then I would have like robbed him. (laughs) (laughs) He would have crawled home to his aunt and been like. Mexico heist. That's the new book coming from Van. (laughs) Spider villain did this horrible thing to me. I must be a superhero now. And I'll be like, yeah, come on back. We'll do it again. But anyway, (laughs) that's not where I was going with this by any means. My high-low and what the is, is J. Jonah Jameson. What I was getting at is I've read a lot of Spider-Man, and I've seen a lot of Spider-Man movies. I've read a lot of Spider-Man comics, everything. And this, I think, is the only time that I've ever read a Spider-Man story where Jonah 
is so sympathetic to the point that Wolfman even kind of, Marv Wolfman even kind of writes against the scene he's writing when he has Jonah kind of run Robbie Robertson off. And mm-hmm. it's like he's totally blustering him and being mean, bad Jonah. And then the captions are like, oh, but Jonah knows how important Robbie is. He knows he couldn't get by without him. He doesn't really mean this. He knows Robbie's going to fix it all later and not do anything Jonah just told him to do. And I'm like, where is all this sympathy for Jonah coming from in this comic? My gosh, I was just floored. I couldn't remember. I had forgotten. It's been 40 years. I had forgotten just how sympathetic. In the, he even mentions his dead wife for crying out loud in this comic. Oh, with my wife, after my wife died, I had to raise my werewolf son by himself you know i'm like (laughs) whoa where is all this heartfelt emotion for i I don't think that i just was i was astonished and i am curious what you guys thought about that because i'm glad you mentioned it van because that that was one of my actual highs i thought that the relationship between jameson and and robbie was really revealed here and not just not just that jameson knows that robbie's going to do his own thing but Robbie knows that Jameson really expects him to do his own thing. So mm. this really shows a level of friendship and understanding that these two partners really have between themselves. And it's really Robbie that's one of the rocks that's holding Jonah together during this whole thing with his son. To me, over the last couple issues, that's one of the pieces of writing that I've really been impressed by. I'll tell you what, they needed that because I was not liking Jonah like from early on. I'm like, I don't appreciate you talking to Robbie like that. And I kind of want to jump into comic book and exactly. do a Spider-Man on the doctor. <laughs> like, I, yeah, did not like I'm going to go all Rambo on him. But then yeah, I, I did want to pull a Rambo on him. But then later on, after the dialogue kicked in, I chilled. I chilled. Chill. Chill. Do you guys think that Wolfman felt I have to think like a writer here. Did Wolfman do that on purpose because you need to feel some sympathy for Jonah since he's kind of the victim spot he's trying to rescue? Because like y'all were talking about earlier, I mean, we if, if, under normal circumstances, if a villain kidnaps Jonah, you're like, oh, good, maybe you'll kill him. And here you're kind of supposed to be like rooting for Jonah. And I think that Wolfman realized I've got to make him sympathetic so that people won't just wish him dead. That's the beauty of J. Jonah Jameson, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. There are times where J. Jonah Jameson is funny, just flat out hilarious. There are times where he's just blustery. There are times where he's a skin flint. There's a time where he will do anything in his power to stand up for his people. He's been a lot of different elements of Spider-Man's story. I think in this particular instance, Wolfman definitely wanted you to know that there is just more to him than the blustery news reporter. Like, I mean, because if you think about it, like he did that whole blustery bit to start with. And it's like, leave me alone. Like, I'm like, I, I, where are you going? Like, don't, you don't need to worry about it. And he goes straight to Marla Madison and basically just breaks down. Mm hmm. And that's that's a character with some depth. He wasn't just being blustery, just running out like he actually. But, but then, of course, after he breaks down and cries and has this moment, then he goes like, well, you guys are doing this. So I'm putting up this million dollar ransom. <laughs> so jerk, but I think I think the human jerk. Yeah. But I think even that was to me somewhat impressive because he knows that he's basically putting a target on his back. So that really showed me like he had some courage. To do that, he is desperate to get his son back. He loves his son, and he's willing to be the target. 
And we've kind of seen pieces of that with him in the past, too. Like when yeah. in a past issue, when the Bugle was was raided by a bunch of thugs, I think is the one with the Punisher was in it. He he went out of his way to actually protect his staff. So you're right, Delvin. He he show, shows all these facets of his character. And I think this issue really showed a bunch of those facets all in one single issue. And I appreciated that. Yeah. The many sides of Jonah we saw in this. Yeah. I mean, there's one more that's definitely worth mentioning and I don't have it. And I, I know it's somewhere in Spider-Man lore and I'm talking about issue first year. And this is, let's see, 189 carry to one. This is going on. This is like the 16th year of Spider-Man. If they put out a book once a month. So it's, canon in Spider-Man that J. Jonah Jameson has always loved his son, has doted on his son forever, was forever proud that John Jameson was an astronaut. That's a part of his hatred for Spider-Man because he felt that Spider-Man took away from John Jameson's moment way back in the day, all those issues ago. That's one of the reasons that J. Jonah Jameson hates Spider-Man because he felt like he took shine from his son. So, yeah, I, once again, we're t- I'm talking myself into rating this better than what I thought. And I already <laughs> thought it was a good book. So, yeah. Mr. Bump Up, Delvin. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll well, see. Let's find out. Do you got a high low or what, the, Delvin? Uh, well, as I mentioned it for the cover, I was very surprised that John Byrne drew this book. And poor Keith Pollard. It's one thing now if you're the main penciler of a book, right? And then normally they put in a guest penciler who kind of draws like you a little bit, but, you know, not so much that people don't miss the main penciler. Keith Pollard takes a break and they put John Byrne on the book. And before that, they put Jim freaking Starlin on the book. Like, Give Keith a break, man. <laughs> Come on. You got to put like just some fill-in, dude. That's not important or whatever. <laughs> so my highest John Byrne, like great quality of art throughout the book and made it a very enjoyable read. Agree. Agree. It's like that scene in Something About Mary with Dead Stiller finds out that his, his competition for Mary's affections is Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Byrne was drawing Marvel team up around this time. So he was drawing Spider-Man every month. So he was used to drawing Spidey, I guess, pretty quickly. So, well, I, I did not know that. And with Chris Claremont writing, that was a good, that was a good team. I mean, yeah, it was Chris Claremont and John Byrne doing, uh, I think doing a lot of Marvel team up back then. Marvel team up and X-Men. And then he had time to do an amazing Spidey. <laughs> Dang, man. Props to John. More money, more money. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Jared, you got a high-low what the? Uh, I'll just do a brief one. It's been alluded to already. I really liked the tender moment between Jonah and Marla. Mm-hmm. You know, they've... Yeah. We were here when they introduced Marla several issues in nah, there. I, you know, I don't think there's anything that's all... I think I asked that question when they first... <laughs> I was like, am I just... Am I detecting something about Marlon? You guys like, ah, nah. No, your instincts are way off, dude. That's never going to become a thing. Not even once. (laughs) I just really like the tender moment. I think, like you guys were saying earlier, it's like when, you know, Guy Gardner steps up and takes on the super powerful villain because no one's going to mess with his Justice League, but he's a jerk. You know, it's those those jerks that, that step up and have those 
moments that are more meaningful. It shows you that they're, they're more than what you see on the surface. And I, I really like that tender scene. So that will be my high. I like that you, uh, just like Bobby Brown said, you find that tender Roni, and when that Roni is right, you think you're going to love her for the rest of your life. But that's not that's not the case here with Marla. <laughs> no? Oh. No, absolutely not. No, you never know. I think she's too busy working on stuff. Yeah, scientists, you know. Yeah. Lab. With her yeah, with her stuff. Lab, lab stuff. Science thing. If we're going to quote R&B lyrics, I think that girl is poison. <laughs> Never trust a lab coat and a smile. <laughs> Jason, high, low, or what the? Well, I think I would go to the action scene. I thought that fight was actually really good. And the way that the artist laid it out in the panels, I was really flipping pages. And you could tell Spider-Man was giving it all, all the spider strength, using every trick in the book, and still was barely phasing the mystery person in the bandages. Who could it be? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that action scene was was really ace. As I started reading the book, I was like, oh, this is kind of soap opera-ish. It looks like they may be setting up for an action piece next issue. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, no, this is, this is good. It. Yeah, they got to it. They started going Duke City. Well, for my high, low, or what the – I'm going to go with a high, and it's just going to be a, a short one. I liked it on the first page is that you have the kid – uh, as Spider-Man swinging by, the kid's yelling out two names that seem kind of familiar to people. And he says, hey, Stanley, Stevie, look, it's Spider-Man. And when I read them, I'm like, wait a minute. That's a pretty cool call out to two cool yeah. guys. Yes, Stanley Steam Cleaners and yep. Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Hell, Jared, stop dragging my heart around. Stop dragging my But then he goes, no, no, not the one from the TV. It's the real one. So I, I like tried to play with the TV. Kind of thing there. So it's not Nicholas Hammond. He wouldn't be web swinging. He'd be driving a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that was really neat as a as a high for mine. Let's go ahead and get around to Van. You got another high, low, or what the? Oh no, I think that I kind of encompassed all of mine in that one big long thing. So I'll I'll let you move along. All right, Delvin. I think there's a lot to talk about. Let's talk about Betty. Oh yeah. yeah. Just when Pete thought that he was out. She pulled him back in. <laughs> she pulled him back in. And that was like, oh, okay, then. I mean, that and, happened. Yeah, that, that happened. happened. That is a thing that occurred in the comic book. Pete got around back then, man. Like he was a little nerd, nerdy was, kid in the sweater anymore. Yeah, yeah. He's going full Murdoch, man. And it yeah. says after that page of between him and Betty. The caption on the next page is, several hours later, we see mm. Spider-Man swinging around. Hmm. Using that spider endurance, man, showing off. It's later. <laughs> Three minutes later, Spidey swinging <laughs> Yeah, there might have been a typo there. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever happens. So, if you remember last Chronicles, I mentioned we got to like seven storylines, and that was one of them, right? Mm. You got Betty Brandt. Being like it, it looked like a will they, won't they? And it looks like for right now, issue 189 of Amazing Spider-Man, it's a will they. She has pulled Pete's heartstrings and probably a few other anatomy parts. Interesting. Webs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely pulled the webs. That place is sticky with webs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting storyline. That, that definitely gets, I don't know, high. 
what the one of well, them? Well, as I recall, I think I brought it up last time. I'm still wondering because I think there's going to be a reckoning unless Ned's just puttering around Europe somewhere. I mm. where is Ned Leeds right now? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> you know? I don't even remember. I should know, but I don't even remember. I do. Um, <laughs> so something's going to happen. Much, He's not going to be happy. Much, I'm sure that Wolfman is just stringing this along and there's not really going to be any delivery on it. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Definitely not in the next half year. Um, well. I'm not too much keen on her haircut, though. Jen <laughs> <laughs> with the Starting haircut up again. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Pete. Anyway. Hey, by the way, who is Lupus? Is he like a super villain whose power is to put a stocking over his head and have a dumb name? Oh, yeah. He, also, he always turned out not to be the main culprit in house. I tell you that much. That's uh, right. It's never lupus. Never lupus. It's never lupus. <laughs> That's a very good house joke, Dylan. Thank you. No one in the house. <laughs> Jared, do you got a high, low, or what the? Well, I will give it a high. Jason talked about the fight scene was cool. It's just so cool to see Spider-Man fight a mummy. I mentioned that about the cover. Blending of these sort of universal monster movies with Spider-Man. That was fun. You don't get to see that a whole heck of a lot. So, <laughs> Spidey fighting a mummy. That's dope. Jason told us it was a great fight scene. He was right. But, yeah, great concept. It's kind of like, you know, if like Hamilton or Burr from U.S. history and like one of them was a werewolf. Mm. Oh, no. who, would, who would ever write a story like that? I, <laughs> I will segue. Oh, hey, man, J- just don't take Jared's word for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll act like I'm the host of the show and actually talk about Spider-Man <laughs> here. It led to a great reveal. I'm a fan of a good reveal, and mm-hmm. it had been coming. They, they kept talking about John Jameson. And if you know your Spidey, John Jameson is Man-Wolf. And Man-Wolf has always been a formidable foe of Spider-Man from the start. Yeah. Always. And so when Spider-Man, I mean, and they made a point to say, like, I mean, Spider-Man, like, bounced down, came back up and said, and Spidey was like, I hit him. I just just gave him my best. And, And he didn't flinch. Now, he might be hopped up on a little bit of something that Mystery Guy 1, who has not been named, yep. has maybe juiced him up a little bit. Who could it be? Who could it be? I know, but I will not spoil it. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm- I, I do know. I do know who MG1 is. I won't spoil it. But I know who it is, too, and it's disappointing. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll get there next what? week. <laughs> Yeah, who is that guy that that band show on the screen? Hmm. So anyway, it was a good fight, and it led to a good reveal. And of course, it's John Byrne, and he can draw his butt yeah. off. That was a fantastic, scary looking man wolf. Just woo, that's good that, job, very that, good job. That goes into my. I'm going to say my kind of what the for this issue is me not knowing much about man wolf. This mummy looked like a normal human body, and then all of a sudden. At the end, where they tear it open, awesome. There's a man wolf now. It's like, well, why wouldn't he have a snout under the mummy and all that? Is <laughs> it the, is, like that, sir? <laughs> Pat, shh, shh, shh. Don't give away. Shh. Well, <laughs> I, and then as we were going through it, and you were mentioning it, that the guy was hopping him up with something and said, "Hey, come here, B. Let me shoot you up with this before you go." 
I thought, okay, well maybe I'll play it off. I'll you know I'll play it off that okay he was took him a while to turn, but you would think too that he'd be going like growling or doing something as you know he's transforming into man wolf. Those those are very uh, well wrapped gauze around yeah. the snout. With the we should keep going. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> that's my what the that's my what the. So, Jason, I'll leave a high for the mystery guest. I don't know who it is, and I'm interested. I okay, want to so find you're out. Like me, ooh, two so, cool guys. Yeah, don't yeah be, two cool guys. Hopefully, don't we be. don't get two duped guys. But I think uh, we may be getting duped, Pat. But for right now, for this issue for 189. I'm excited, and I want to know the motivations, so I. and I want to know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this made me want to read the next issue after I was done reading it. I'm like, man, I got to find out what's going on. But I got to wait. I don't know why Jared's so silly. Don't, don't listen to Jared. He's a sassy. It's, it's a Spidey villain I've never liked. Yeah. So if, <laughs> This is a guy who likes Stegron. Come on. If no. it was Stegron, I'd be like, Stegron, whoop, whoop, Stegron, whoop, whoop. Come on, guys, it's summertime. <laughs> And the living is being <laughs> All right. Well, that round out of the way. Let's go ahead and get to the silly Spidey moment. Van, this is where we pick a silly Spidey time. And it could be anything, any character in here that's got a funny moment that made you laugh in the, this issue. Oddly enough, I'm not sure it's necessarily that funny. But the thing that was just kind of odd funny where Peter nearly murders the doctor and I couldn't <laughs> remember why the doctor ticked him off so bad. Oh, he's I'm been, so he's been kneeing him for. <laughs> I haven't, again, I, I haven't read these in 40 years, so I picked that, this one up and read it. But that's man, bed, bedside manner. That doctor, for issues and issues, he's been giving Pete crap. Constantly. Just, just constant crap, calling him a deadbeat. Just like like you like you don't give a darn about your aunt. So this was a long time coming. Okay, well that helps. I couldn't remember any of that. Is this isn't and I don't want to spoil anything for those of you that haven't read beyond this yet, but this isn't a doctor that we see later in a different identity, is it? Because there's a doctor later, I think, that I remember that comes back in a different identity, but this is not that guy, is it? Only if Aunt May goes to the same hospital again. I don't know. Okay. That's my you guess. You might okay. be thinking of Dr. Barton Hamilton, who was in the story no, right before I, I know him, and I really like I really like that storyline, too. You might be thinking of Dr. Kurt Hoping Connors. Get to talk about it, too. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, it, I, there's a doctor that ends up being, like, somebody mysterious later on. and I'm, Dr. I'm, Doom. <laughs> I'll just, we'll leave it at that. I don't want to mess anybody up, so enjoy. But it Dr. wasn't. Octopus. Just picking this issue up by itself, forty years, I'm like, whoa, Pete like flew off the handle. What's up with that? So that's good to know that there's a reason. Yeah, Doc had it coming. Yeah, he had it coming. I shoot off a third round, but it's worth mentioning. I'm giving a lot of props and kudos to Marv Wolfman. That's an excellent bit of continuity that he used because that Doc again gave has given Pete crap for a while. And it was also a good Wolfman bit that he mentioned that $25,000 bit from Electro. He mm-hmm. mentioned that $25,000 bit from Chameleon as well to start off the run. Yeah. yeah. Wolfman's it. on it. Like, unsurprisingly, I mean, the dude wrote Titans, but he's on it. He is really yeah, on it. Yeah, he's definitely weaving and, and building building some characters for Peter and all that's kind of going around him through other characters. That's what I like about this. Yep, yep, yep. I, I had to go look, and um, 
when he was fighting the at the time mummy, he of course always has his best insults for J. Jonah Jameson and told him that he makes Scrooge looks like the Ford Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's, uh, most of mine always seem to revolve around Jonah, and it's because Jonah's such a good character to rip off of. So that was mine. Jared. Well, Van took mine, so uh, <laughs> he's a man of impeccable taste. I can't get enough of the Dr. Berating Peter. <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time. It's like, don't you have rounds to do, man? Don't you have lab results to check? Like, why are you singling this poor guy out? Like, I just I got some new uh, info about your aunt. You're deadbeat. No one likes you. <laughs> she wrote it down right here. I'm just yeah. reading it. Is that on the chart? Yep, sure yep. is. You right can't here. see it either. You can't see I it. got her blood test results, and it says you're a jerk. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, now Van at least understands the bit I did at the very beginning of the show when I talked mm-hmm. about how he acted at the hospital. Yeah, okay. All tied together. <laughs> I thought it was just you acting that way, man. <laughs> He's a sweetheart of a man. Yeah, sweetums. Jason. I think the part that made me laugh out loud was when Spider-Man was swinging over the city and Mystery Guy 1 is with uh, his goons. And he says, there he is. Remember him. That's your target. I'm like, how are they going to forget it? I mean, how many people like Spider-Man? It's Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, I think I got it. <laughs> red, red blue costume, jumps around like a spider. He's probably swinging up there instead of walking down here with us. <laughs> does does whatever a spider can. I uh, thought it was uh, Captain America. I just <laughs> that made me laugh. Well, I'm going to choose for mine, and you guys probably already guessed it. Is the cover? Is, no, no, not the cover. <laughs> but that's that was a good one. In the fight that's going on, as Peter's chasing the mummy across the rooftops. There's a panel that kind of spreads across the page there, and it's him kind of doing a flip, and you get the shadow effect, and then him just kind of, his legs just going right into the back of the mummy. And he's he's saying there that, after all, I've been eating my Wheaties, too. And he was, because he was eating breakfast. It's a good callback, because he was eating breakfast before Betty came and interrupted him. You know he hasn't been eating cakes because his aunt's in the hospital. <laughs> but then Which also- is his fault, because he sucks, <laughs> <laughs> but then also in there you got up and adam fancy pants so we get a fancy pants there uh call out mm. to jared Thank you. and then we have tag you're it bunky mm. fancy pants a bunky, fancy and a bunky yeah the same panel it was just a past delight there mm-hmm. i was just <laughs> I was delighted to the hip, hip, hip. a lot of dialogue for one little action panel <laughs> <laughs> it is it's really cool well drawn this whole issue is just amazingly Drawn. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for the whole story. And it's a one through five. We've talked about them, but I'll say them again. It's a five. You loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Van, one through five. Do we do decimals or it has to be a whole number? An integer. You whole n- No. No. <laughs> don't, here. We don't do um, that. All right. And then I'm going to have to give it a three. I don't think the story was quite as good as the cover. So, you know, Peter's life has always been a soap opera. And there's times that I kind of enjoy that soap opera. And there's times that I'm kind of like, let's just get back to web slinging and, and beating up dudes. And mm-hmm. the whole Betty thing and all, I'm just kind of like, let's get the costume back on and go fight Blizzard or something. So 
Yeah. And it was definitely it, off when he was with Betty. Sorry, that was not mature. No, it's true. So I'm going to go three. I think it was just a good, solid installment. You know, it was not really a beginning or anything of anything. It was just kind of a good installment in the current long form story that Wolfman and, and company are doing. Delvin. I could give this a five. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff to like about this book. And I'm going to be stubborn and not just throw my fives out willy-nilly. I mean, no one likes a throwing five willy-nilly out guy. Like, that guy, (laughs) no one really likes. So I'm at a four, but it was close. There's a lot of stuff to like, and I am super impressed with how tightly wound the continuity is that Mark Wolfman has done. And that and the art, with Keith Pollard when he's there, he's done a good job. And the guest pencilers of Starlin and now John Byrne, the quality of the book is just super high. Excellent reveal of Man Wolf. I could easily give it a five, but I'm right at it. It's a four. Jared, 3.5. <laughs> good choice. Good choice. Now, if musical genius Joe November was here, he'd give it a 3.5. He's the only person on our network allowed to give out decimals. Mm-hmm. I am going to go with Van, though. I'm going to round down to a three. It Ooh. felt a little scatterbrained. I still like it a lot, and I might be taking out my hatred for the reveal villain in the next episode <laughs> on it, but overall, I thought it was good, though, and that's a three. It's getting us where we need to go. I, I am excited to see where some of these Wolfman seeds grow to, and with that, I will give it to Jason. I think I'm with Delvin at a four. There was a lot of stuff happening in this story. It kept me entertained. We had the soap opera moment between Peter and Betty. We got to see a lot of character from J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie. We got to see a pretty doggone good fight scene between the mysterious mummy and Spider-Man. Mystery guy number one still has me intrigued. And then, of course, Aunt May going Mm -hmm. into the daycare center. We can't forget that. So there's a lot of stuff happening. That's a new event that's going to be happening. I'm at a four. I like this one. Well, I am also going to agree with you and Delvin as a four. I really liked it, too. Like, Delvin, I'm more leaning, but I can't get there just yet. It's close. It's close. I'm hoping the next issue is. It's like the stand. Uh, that should be pretty cool, but it is a four for me. So I think that kind of splits us up a little bit. Three amigos. Van and I are two cool guys. Yeah, against three amigos. <laughs> so listeners out there, let us know. What side do you want to be on with three amigos or the two cool guys? So that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. you got a comment or question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, and we will be right back. Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, art by Nate Niles, colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon, letters by Percival Constantine, and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big.com. 
BigCartel.com. That's TheYardSaleArtist.BigCartel.com. Or you can buy it directly from me, creator Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, at any of my Comic-Con appearances. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series Comic Book Men had to say about it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Books like a- a Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. That's Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, and that is X-Men number 118. Credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. Got a cover date of February 1979, but its on-sale date was November 14, 1978. Cover price also is still only 35 cents. That means they're going to be changing it again. I say, yes, sir. They always do that. Still only 35 cents next month, 40 cents. Editor was Roger Stern. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire! Penciler is doing double duty for this episode. John Byrne. Ooh. Busy man. Busy man. Anchor, Ricardo Villamante. Ooh. Where's my Terry Austin? Dang it. Yes, he was all. Ricardo Viamonte became the head penciler on Crystar, the Crystal oh, Warrior. <laughs> I may remember reading one of those. It needed Terry Austin, though. Letterer is Tom Orzakowski. And also pulling double duty for coloring is another Color Me Bad colorist of Glennis Ween. Ooh. Make another till we drown. I'm gross. I don't know what it means either. <laughs> <laughs> You can read along with us, reprinted in Classic X-Men number 24, or Marvel Masterworks Volume 28, The Essential X-Men Volume 1, Uncanny X-Men Omnibus, and also on the Marvel Unlimited app. And we hope you do. Cover credits go to Penciler Dave Cockrum, and inker is Terry Austin. Van was missing Terry Austin. And Dave Cockrum is the other... X-Men artist besides Byrne, in my opinion. Byrne is number one, but Cockrum is like 1A, honestly. Mm-hmm. Some people As may you have know, a... if, if you've listened to a lot of episodes, you know I have a rock-hard Cockrum appreciation. Mm-hmm. Solid. Yep. Solid. That, that's what we deal with, man, every, every week. Let's go ahead and get a quick cover description from Jared. Can do. The Marvel Comics group banner is Rising Sun Red with black letters. The floating heads of Banshee, Colossus, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler are floating in the corner wasabi green box. The X-Men kimono, I mean logo, is yellow with red highlights, and it's still uncanny. The main action features a hand and a gilded glove, blasting the laser beam right into the chest of Sunfire. Sayonara, Sunfire! Poised like a samurai ready for battle in the background are Storm, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. A cover blurb reads, Side by side with Sunfire! And for this one, let's see, Pat, you're on laser glove. Jason, you are making sunfire sounds as he's getting blasted. Delvin, you can be Cyclops. And Van, you can have your choice. You can be Storm. You can be Nightcrawler. You can be Colossus. Choose wisely. You have two seconds. And am I, am I, I got a question. Am I just the sound of the glove that it makes or, I, or am I the laser that's coming out of No, the- you're the sound of a glove. Okay. 
Be the laser, Pat. <laughs> Be the laser. And three, and two, and action. Oh my god, somebody's getting blasted. I think the only thing I heard out of that one was Van yelling nine. I think he was Nightcrawler, if I'm not mistaken. German or no? Yeah. Actually, that laser glove was pretty good. I saw some Cyclops leadership from Delvin and some deep fried sunfire. All I could think of was Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> don't worry, I got you, man. Have another. kind of cross with Ricky Bobby. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> well done, everyone. Don't you put that knife in you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Two knives. Two knives in me. Well, Domo Arigato, Jared, on that cover description. Thank you very much, Domo. 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 Okay. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm just going to sail away. Oh, I get it. Oh. Oh. Let's get into some quick cover thoughts on this issue. When we'll start with Van. Honestly, this is probably the first time I've actually seen this cover because I, this is, again, another example of I was buying what was available on the spinner rack in 77, 78, and some months you'd have six copies of something, and some months they wouldn't be there. You wouldn't get it. You'd just miss out. And so I've had 119 since the day it came out, and I'd never read 118 until now. Oh. I'd never even seen the cover of 118 until now because I'd never really gone looking. I had it. I just never really – on my iPad, I just never looked. So I really like it. Sunfire is – I got a lot to say about Sunfire, or not really – not a lot, just a couple of pointed things. But it's it's an interesting cover, though. It's like it's a character that you may not know, and he's the one getting blasted, and, and you're like, why do the X-Men care? It, it kind of assumes you know who Sunfire is and would care that he's getting zapped. So that's kind of my initial thoughts. Jason? I like the cover okay. I think my main problem with it is the layout. The mysterious glove hand takes up such a large portion of the comic. There's not really much mystery there. I like Sunflower get, sun, sunflower, sunfire getting blasted. That's pretty cool. It's just the, the X-Men are just kind of way in the background. So I think it's drawn well. It's just not laid out quite right. Okay. Um, I'll go. I like the layouts on this one. <laughs> I, I like the way the arm is coming from, and you don't know who is kind of blasting like that. I do like seeing uh, Sunfire. I remember him from like the, the early, the first issue we read had Sunfire in it. Giant size X-Men. Giant size, yep. Uh, had him. So it was kind of interesting to see him back. One thing I kind of don't like is the background, the blue background. Maybe that's just too blue or too dark of a blue, but I don't know. I guess I'd leave that for the artist to Let's say. Let's check that. out Jared's color wheel. Yeah. It really makes the X, the yellow and the red of the X-Men really pop out. But Jared, quick. What does the color wheel say? The uh, color wheel says, well, you got a lot of primaries. You know, you've got blue, you got red, you got yellow. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, color wheel. <laughs> no problem. Man, I could be an artist. <laughs> well, I mean, it does kind of explain because you've got a red and yellow sunfire costume is the primary, right? And the yellow glove. And so it, they are all equidistant on the color wheel. So it's like really your only real choice when you've got red and yellow is to go to the furthest one from them, which is blue. Okay. So it, you end up with three primaries. So saith the color wheel. And what saith you of the cover? 
I am Team Jason on this cover. I think it's well drawn, not terribly well laid out. Uh, I love watching Sunfire get blowed up because I've never liked him. So suck it, Sunfire. Ooh, hater. Delvin. I actually don't like Sunfire getting blasted in that they spotlight him with the words side by side with Sunfire. Who's getting his butt kicked? Okay. <laughs> Hi, Sunfire. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> yeah, and, and all the X Men are just kind of sitting around like, well, so yeah, I see where you are, where you're coming from with the layout, and I I agree with it, even though I'm not an artist and I have no idea what would be a better layout. And it looks like they were letting the Moses Magnum thing be the big reveal of the whole storyline, and I don't know whether this is a first appearance of Moses Magnum or not. I'm thinking no. I don't think so. Yeah. So I guess like so they, did, they didn't want to reveal him for whatever reason, but then they chose Sunfire, which did speak to where the X-Men were at least. But I just think that they could have given Sunfire better entrance or re-entrance into the X-World than just getting blasted on the cover. All right. I think with all those comments out of the way, let's go ahead and find out how we're going to rate this one. It's a one through five rating is five. You loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from four. You really liked it. Three liked it. Two didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby fan. One through five. I'm going to have to uh, be honest here and say uh, this gets for me about a two. It's just there's not enough X-Men. Even though Sunfire is on the cover, he's almost entirely obscured by the explosion. There's the big hand that's barely even, uh, you can tell it's a hand. And I thought it was just Sunfire, not Sun-Fire. So I'm not even sure they got his name right on the cover. So I'm going to drop the bomb on this and play a two. All right. <laughs> well. Wow. wow. I don't know what to say there. No, I'm just. Jason. Nobody's done a two before. <laughs> I can't say that I they dislike it. I know it's a little persnickety in my analysis. But it's still a fairly decent cover. I like Sunfire visually. Maybe his character's kind of a jerk, but visually he looks pretty mm-hmm. cool. I agree. Great design. So I'm going to go with a three. I liked it. I'm going to go with a three as well with you. I liked it. Uh, I think would have got me over more if, you know, kind of a little more some detail, deeper detail into it a little bit, I think would push me over the edge up to the four. Jared? I'm going to go with a three. Just like Jason, same reason. Three. Delvin. I'm also at a three. I do like the colors, and the colors make it stand out, even though I'm not happy with Sunfire. And it's hard to rate John Byrne anything too low because man's still on fire. Maybe sun hyphen flower fire. Actually, this is Cockrum, man. Oh, this is Cockrum? It's Cockrum. Oh, well, it's a two then. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, your Cockrum appreciation is flaccid. I see. <laughs> Got a limp Cockrum right now. <laughs> no, I'm, st- I'm still at a three. My bad on um, not hearing that it was Cockrum instead of Burn. And I even listened to the also awful Jared joke that he keeps bringing up. But we still let him do it. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> no one but yourselves to blame. That's true. All right, with the rating out of the way, let's get a story synopsis from Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. 
feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. issue was titled The Submergence of Japan. When we last left our merry band of heroes, they were aboard a Japanese merchant vessel heading for the Japanese islands. They no sooner reached their destination, however, when they discover that the nation has been rocked by a series of devastating and mysterious earthquakes. Navigating their way through the chaos and hoping to enlist the aid of their former teammate Sunfire, they discover that the Japanese mutant and local government has teamed up with Colleen Wing and Misty Knight to investigate the mysterious happenings. Meanwhile, taking advantage of a quiet moment and seeking solitude in a Japanese garden, Wolverine encounters Lady Mariko in a pivotal moment that will span the length of his character arc. No sooner do they meet, however, than they are rocked by another series of earthquakes and attacked by a team of mandroids. Under the leadership of Cyclops and using the hours of training that has gelled them into a team, the X-Men fight a vicious battle against their attackers and end up victorious. They have little time to celebrate, however, as they are presented with a hologram of the mastermind behind this plot, Moses Magnum, and Magnum delivers an ultimatum. Name him ruler of Japan, or he sinks the nation. Who is Moses Magnum and what are his powers? Will Professor X ever realize that his beloved X-Men are still alive? Who else wants to see Delvin cosplay as Moses Magnum at our next Heroes Con? All will be revealed. Oh, man, with the Hawaiian shirt and the Detroit Tigers baseball cap driving around the Ferrari. Oh, that's that's Thomas Magnum from Magnum. That's Thomas uh, Magnum for God. My bad, everyone. That would also be cool, though. I... If you could get that white suit with the collar. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> man. I'm telling you what, I say you bite the bullet if it gets us some Patreons. <laughs> Five Patreons and you, you Look, we, are, we already talked about me having to watch the holiday special from Star Wars, even though that hasn't been revealed yet. Yeah, that's How much true. more pain do I have to suffer to get more Patreons or more patrons? That whatever is it takes, Stellan, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs>
Like, we're willing to put you out there for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this disco collar? <laughs> no! Well, right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Van. It's the first read I ever had of this specific issue, but I read almost everything around it. It's one of those that I missed. So oh. it was good to finally fill in that. I remembered it took like a year for the X-Men to get back to their headquarters after the X-Men, after the Magneto story. But I'd forgotten all the things that they went through <laughs> just to get back from like one place to another, point A to point B. So it was nice to fill in the gap and figure out why they ended up in Japan. I'm like, why are they even in Japan? What is the deal? So that's good. Delvin. It's a first read for me. Jason. It's a reread for me. Jared. It's a first read, sir. So once again, Jason screwed everybody. Yes. It's a first read for me as well, too. Sad rainbow. Reading rainbow. (laughs) Reading rainbow. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some high, low, or what does. Van, we'll start with you. I guess uh, the the, the thing that, that really jumps out at me the most about this issue other than it set up the big Moses Magnum battle in the next issue that I read when I was little and was like, whoa, Moses, I've been, I've literally, I have been asking Moses Magnum trivia questions at Dragon Con for 22 years now, because he's just such an obscure villain that I just love saying, you know, who's the villain in the white suit that tried to sink Japan? People are like, and so it's always a great question, but, um, But the character that I really you can, if you ask that next time you can have then Delvin can come out and go it's me that would be so awesome I would love it. What is the world of y'all? The question really was in my mind was what is the deal with Sunfire because the I, I had actually read his appearance just before this in Iron Man ninety eight and he's basically the villain. He attacks Stark International and basically tries to melt the entire facility because he's mad about something. And then he attacks the guardsman, O'Brien, and then he attacks Iron Man. And uh, it all kind of builds up to the big battle with the Mandarin. But when I was a kid, my understanding of Sunfire is he was a bad guy because he attacked Iron Man in his headquarters. And then I read the other, I read 119 back then at the same time, and he was like allied with the X-Men. I'm sitting here thinking... Well, the X-Men must not be good guys because they hang out with Sunfire and he's a bad guy and they like each other. So I, I always had a really hard time pinning down Sunfire as whether he was supposed to be a hero or a villain. The best way to do it is to think of him as the Namor of Japan. Yeah, that, see, there yeah, you go. I was just thinking of that. Like hero, that. But he's kind of a jerk to everybody else. Yeah. See, so kind of like Jared said, but you should think of him as the Namor of Japan. Oh, yeah, just what you said there. I think it would probably be if, if you thought of him as the Neymar of Japan. I think that's a good idea. I'm just going to swim away here, Padawan. We'll go to Delvin. I like Wolverine's arc here. I'm a big fan of Wolverine that I like and not Wolverine, the meathead jerk that like calls Storm abroad and stupid stuff like that. I like that he saw Mariko and immediately was like, oh my gosh, he's beautiful. And started to reveal his name. It was... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lothar. 
the hill people. Yeah, so a little, a little bit of uh, of a good art there from Logan. That was excuse me. Oh, spoiler! <laughs> from Wolverine, that was much appreciated. So that's my high. And will echo. I'm smart enough okay. to know on this that this is going to echo, echo for decades, decades. in Wolverine storyline. Storyline. Thank you for the echoes. <laughs> 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 but I, I actually called Jason. I was like, "Is this the first appearance of Mariko?" And he was like, "Affirmative." And I was like, "Oh, interesting. I never knew where she came from." See, the man didn't. <laughs> Finding how to mute myself. Is there a way I can mute everybody else? (laughs) Jared, do you have a high low what the? Of course I do. I'm going to probably both rounds I'm gonna do a what the. My first what the is going to have to be for Storm. That's right, I said it. We all love Storm, but I gotta call her out on this one. It's like on one of the very first pages. It's on page two, where they see the city burning, and Colossus says, Aurora, is there nothing we can do? And she said, I know, my friend, I dare not even try. Oh, way to mail it in, Aurora. Like, what? You couldn't make it rain? You couldn't drum up some kind of a big, you know, storm? That's your name. You know, like, what the hell, man? But she was like, no, nah, I'm good. She's like a state worker. It's her flex day. <laughs> you know, we've been training all this time on the ship. And I'm it's like, what? Yeah. The I, have, out. I now have two theories because Jared mentioned this in our text chat, which you too can be a part of. If you join Patreon, I'm kidding. No, you can't see our text chat. I mean, if it's, they pay enough, I'll text them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can start a- <laughs> Hey, hey, why are you reading this? You suck. <laughs> So, you know, so two possible explanations. One is that she's still down in the dumps and her confidence is low because she wasn't able to save Kirok. Kirok, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's his name. Yeah, I'm, I'm never saying his name correctly. Petri again. dish man or something like that. Garak the petrified man. Get it right. Bad respect for Garak. <laughs> Garak 2020. I outright refuse to say his name properly. So maybe Storm's down for that. Or maybe with her senses of the elementals, she sensed that it was Moses Magnum, and so she didn't stop it for the culture. <laughs> she let <laughs> Japan burn for the culture. All right, that's commitment right there. Bow, 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 bow. I don't know. I just, I honestly just kind of felt like that was Chris going, well, yeah, Storm probably could have brought in a, like a hurricane and, and really put those fires out but she put no back fun. the wind you put, do you want me to no prize it I'll no, no prize, prize it. it go ahead I will, yeah. no one's no prize it twice already apparently so storm can control the weather but there's a point of which if she pushes the weather too far that it will disrupt natural conditions and cause more damage so the amount of power she would have to use to mm. control that massive of a fire would have ultimately caused more damage, so she didn't even want to attempt it. That sounds very Cliff Clavin. Think of what he does for a living. (laughs) (laughs) He probably read one of his manuals that he wrote or whatever on them. (laughs) I write rules. 
a rule city. Yeah. And one of the rules is storm. If you're ever in Japan, you cannot control the weather that it'll mess up the whole ecology there. You, you got to stop it. So I just wasn't feeling it that day. Yeah. I, I think maybe that, um, you know, that sailor sweatshirt she's got on is maybe too constricting. She's like, yeah, you know, that's kind of itchy. I just uh, hurt my powers here. Jason, you got a high, low or what the? I'll give it a high overall. It is demonstrated in this issue. We continue to see the X-Men gel together. And a good example of that is Nightcrawler's ability to teleport further with less strain. And that's really showing the payoff of all the training that they do under the leadership of Cyclops. You also kind of see Wolverine, although he's a little, he's still Wolverine, he's calling Cyclops boss and he's following orders a little bit more now. So you're starting to see them gel. And I just kind of like how this is a natural thing. Unlike sometimes with the Avengers, they just throw all the team together and go out and do their thing, then mix up the team. With the X-Men, there's kind of this organic process, and I like that. Good observation. I have a kind of a what the is with Professor X. He's just going to up and leave. Can he sense that they're alive now that they're in the the world? He's probably, yes. I mean, I, I asked this question a couple of episodes back. I was wondering... It seemed like, because, I mean, they came back like, oh, my God, he's dead. And not once. I mean, and they made reference to Cerebro in this book, too, Mm -hmm. where Cyclops tried to call the numbers and all the numbers were disconnected. So, like, if the emergency number to Cerebro was disconnected, it's like, oh, so you do know Cerebro exists. (laughs) Did you use it? I I got a bit. If you'd like to find a mutant, please hang up and try again. <laughs> I was wondering if that was like Cerebro's fax number or something. What's that <laughs> The number you have dialed has been disconnected. Yeah, that's one I can't really explain, Pat. I'd... Well, even for argument's sake, say that he couldn't. Wouldn't Beast, Gene, Charles, if it were me... I'm getting a team to go down there and re- try to recover the bodies. Like, you know, we're just mm-hmm. going to leave them out there? Yep. Yep. No. Let's go ahead and get into the next round. Van. Hi, low or what the? I do like Moses Magnum. I like him a lot. And I've always called her Mariko on account of because that's what they were called. And she was the name was called in Shogun. So I'm just going to go with that. Maybe one of us is wrong. I don't know. I always thought that this was totally Claremont loving Shogun and having Wolverine have to be like the John Blackthorn of comics and go to Japan and have a girlfriend named Marco. And then I realized this comic actually came out in 78 and Shogun aired in 80. So now I'm thinking maybe he must've been one to read the novel back in the mid seventies and then immediately wrote this storyline. So I would like to ask Claremont if it connects to Shogun, it has to, right? It must connect to that. And if so, you know, how, how it came about. I would really like to know his story on where that character came from. Interesting. Yeah. I know you're a big Clavel fan. Right. And that I've podcasted with you about it on your mm-hmm. network. Indeed. So, and no, I hadn't thought of that. Interesting insights. Next time we get to, to chat with Chris and we've got, you know, 45 minutes to spare, we will ask the question. <laughs> He's chatty. Delvin. Hi, Lo. What the? 
I actually want to pass mine to Van to tell us a little bit about Moses Magnum because I don't know anything about him. So I would love a little primer on who the heck Moses Magnum is. Please. Well, all I can say is the man's got a darn fine sense of dress. <laughs> he has a sufficiently megalomaniacal bent that I enjoy in my villains. He doesn't just want to like rob a bank. He wants Japan to make him like the prime minister for life or something, which is interesting. And I'm not sure how that would ever work. Is he going to just sit there on his throne all day, every day and be like, y'all better just keep on bringing me gold and food and everything. Or I'll push this button and blow up this island and just like, I'll never sleep. You know, <laughs> if I fall asleep and somebody cuts my throat, you know, I, no, I'm never going to sleep. You know, it just seems like a long term proposition. He was a Luke Cage villain, which I think kind of he suits that mid 70s Luke Cage vibe, I think, a lot. Yeah. And then he shows up again in Kurt Busick and George Perez's run on Avengers in volume three in the late 90s, because Kurt really did kind of do a greatest hits of all of his favorite comics from when he was younger, <laughs> when he wrote the Avengers for about four or five years there. And so Ultron shows up, Kang shows up. And Moses Magnum, the Super Squadron Supreme shows up, you know, and Moses Magnum shows up. And so, like I said, the only times I've ever seen him were Luke Cage, this X-Men story, and that Avengers story. So there's not a lot there. He's kind of one-dimensional, but I just think he's a nice, cool, stylish. He's not your average uh, villain. He's, he has he thinks big. He's got technology. He's got the Magnum Force. And uh, and I just that's pretty much all. I don't know. I, it's it's one of those things where just the bits of the iceberg that you can make out are intriguing enough that you want to know more. Okay, I, I'm going to go ahead and get my high out of out of the way here uh, since Van had mentioned it with Misty Knight. Now that makes sense of why mm -hmm. she's here mm -hmm. and talking to Iron Fist as mm -hmm. well. So I'm like, ah, oh, that put two and two together for me right now. So yeah, otherwise that was kind of an odd. Like I said, I hadn't read the second issue of this in 40 years. When Misty Knight showed up, I'm kind of like, wait, whoa, Misty Knight? <laughs> Why is she hanging out in Japan being like an advisor to the government? I mean, it's cool, but I was just like, I, that is, I, you know, that was not somebody I was expecting to encounter. They have kept her in the story, at the least thus far, issue. because she was a roommate to Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. And maybe it also had something to do with Chris Claremont writing I don't know if he wrote Heroes for Hire or he was writing Iron Fist or something. Yeah, like that. I think he did a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he kept Misty Knight around because after uh, Jean Grey took off for Parts Unknown, Misty said, well, I'm going to go to Japan and do my thing here. So that's mm -hmm. how she wound up connecting back up with the X-Men. A lot of moving parts to this great long story that's going on here. Yep. Yeah. There's another one at the end. Well, no, maybe it's another issue. But yeah, there's. Claremont basically had like 15 storylines in mind and he starts them all over these issues and they just kind of all intertwine and interweave constantly. It's very impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, and you know what? I, like it. I thought it was interesting that we read these two issues together in this episode because they both represent kind of middle chapters in a multi-thread ongoing storyline in both series at the same mm -hmm. time. Yep. Jared, you got a high level with them? Oh, hey, it's me again. I promised you another what this. I'm going to give you another what the. Claremont tried to give Wolverine a cool guy moment where he drops some Japanese and Cyclops is like, I didn't know you spoke Japanese. He was like, you never asked. And I'm like, A, when would that come up in the conversation? Exactly. B, I actually know when that would come up in the conversation. 
the last six friggin' weeks that you've been surrounded by Japanese people on a ship. <laughs> no, sir. You do not get this moment. <laughs> moment all. taken. Jared, Boy. that should get you a no prize. That should. That should absolutely earn a no prize, that observation. So just six weeks he's been chilling, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm waiting to burn Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six weeks of pretending he couldn't understand what all the other people were saying. Just so he could, <laughs> just so he could ding Cyclops <laughs> one time. I never thought of that. You, you want me to no prize this? I'll no prize it. Here yeah, we go. You didn't know I couldn't read Japanese. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so the captain of the ship wants to make sure that all of his crew knows English. So he gave the order while the uh, Americans were on board to speak only English during that time. Wolverine was like that kid on YouTube that go that speaks Chinese and goes into Chinese restaurants in New York City and like listens to him talking about him and then laughs. That's what was <laughs> Wolverine's a YouTube star right there, man. That's crazy. See, I like Vans better. I'll let Van <laughs> take that no prize. <laughs> That's crazy. Jason, do you got a high low or what? I'll just say high for the battle with the mandroids. The X Men made short work of that. One of my favorite moments, though, is when that truck was thinking it was going to get away, and then you saw Colossus's big old iron hands just come up out of there and just yank that chassis right out from underneath. That was sweet. But there was a lot of cool moments with Nightcrawler using his teleportation to have the guards take out themselves. And it was just another good example of how the X-Men are starting to gel together as a team. Agree. And I think uh, with that, that'll take us to who went the extra mile for this issue, Delvin. I like Wolverine because I think we're getting more into more cool Wolverine and not jerk Wolverine. I like his art. This, uh, I mean, they revealed about the Japanese thing, even though Jared was a very good catch, uh, even though Jason had a good explanation for it. He speaks Japanese. He felt very hard for Mariko, was very protective of her. I like him in this book. So, Wolvie. Jared. So I think it bears mentioning that I got Misty Night and Storm in the same book. Mm-hmm. That's hot. <laughs> Who's next? John Byrne goes to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but for reals, you know I'm a homer for Cyclops. Always have been, always will be. Team did real good. Cyclops mm-hmm. had him ready to play. Good leadership. I mean, they took down mandroids that have given the Avengers a tussle. Impressive. Hats yeah. off to the leadership of Cyclops, even though he didn't know that Wolverine spoke Japanese. I agree with you. I'm going to go with Cyclops as well on this one. His leadership and the team just coming together, and it really was played out here. They would listen to each other. He would command them around a little bit. So Cyclops is my guy. Jason. I got to throw it in for Cyclops for the same reason. We're really starting to see the payoff of this. One of the benefits of doing the show weekly is getting to read through these comics and not having to wait a month or longer to read the next issue, I'm really starting to appreciate Chris Claremont laid out the story and had Cyclops progress through here. And we're really starting to see this new team really start to hit their stride. Cyclops gets my vote as well. Van. You know, Cyclops has always been the Captain America of the X-Men. And that means that he, A, is a good leader and commander and people will follow him. And B, he's often comes across as kind of an overstuffed jerk that you want to knock upside the head. He's kind of cut both ways. It's kind of comes with the responsibility of leadership in that way. I think every X-Man in this issue did something poor or dumb 
that's one of the things I, I like about Claremont is he makes them multidimensional. They're not all perfect. Like the Avengers often will come across as perfect or the Fantastic Four. The X-Men are so flawed. I thought the, the X-Men that was most effective without ever really screwing up or being fooled in this issue was Nightcrawler. I, I thought Nightcrawler continues to be the ultimate follower and yet he's very, very confident and doesn't really mess up and continuously even surprises himself mm-hmm. at how well he's doing. But I do, I do need to give a quick shout out to my boy Banshee. Shout out, get it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I surprised myself like Nightcrawler there. I can't say why yet, but I always liked Banshee and well, you know, he's not in the cartoon, he's not in the comics later and all that. So you can probably suspect that, you know, something's coming. So I just, while I'm here on your show and Banshee's still active, I want to give a shout out to Banshee. Hmm. We'll leave it at that. Now we got Van laying plot thoughts here. Mm. He's laid the plot to A, he doesn't want to come back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame him. All right, well, with our extra mile out of the way, let's get to the rating for this issue. Just as a reminder, it's a one through five. Five, you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing on. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. Van. Man, this is a very much of a kind of transitionary issue. It, it's setting up something rather than giving us something. It's kind of like that Spider-Man story. It's got a lot of you know, moving parts, building to something rather than giving us any kind of a satisfying ending. But dang it, man, this is Claremont, Burn and story their, weaving. Their prime. Yeah, it's my only real disappointment with this issue is no Terry Austin. You got this guest inker that's just not quite the same. But yeah, I mean, this would be a three in almost anybody else's hands for me. But I'm going to go ahead and give it a four because even in a just a transition story, Claremont and Byrne give you so much to work with that I'm going to say a four. Delvin. I like this issue. A lot of good stuff in it. A lot of good character development. Very good action scene. Wasn't a slow read at all. Very good brisk pace. So it's a four. Very good. And it is a part of an ongoing storyline, which is very clear. But Claremont did an excellent job with this one. I enjoyed it. Jared. I'm going to jump on board the four train, which is rare for me in the X universe. You know, I'm not a big X-Men guy, but man, I think it was because of his first appearance on Mariko. And I was like, oh, I know something about this. And that made me excited and cool fight scene and great art, you know. So four. Yeah, I liked it. All right. Well, I'm getting on the four train as well with it. I really enjoyed the characterization, like Van was saying, just the weaving of all this going on, the layering of the stories happening. It's got me really interested. I got it at a four. Jason, either on the four or you off the four. Oh, I'm solidly on the four. I really like this issue. Had tremendous art, great action. We had Mariko. We had Sunfire. And it's weaving out a great story. So I'm all aboard the four train. Toot, toot. You'll, notice, you'll notice there is no hyphen in Sunfire. So once again, the cover did us wrong. But there is an awfully cool shot of Misty Knight, and she's not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Jared. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, 
out of the way. That's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact at lawboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, and I'm also the art director over at White Rocket Books. Quick question. What do you get when you take a fast-paced Alistair McLean novel, put it in a blender with a Star Trek DVD, and some G.I. Joe figures? I'm pretty sure you get award-winning sci-fi novelist Van Allen Plexico's first foray into the world of comics, a new comic miniseries based on Plexico's novella, Cold Lightning. Cold Lightning is a small part of Plexico's expansive space opera series of novels called The Shattering. Now, real quick, I want to give a quick heartfelt thank you to all the folks who helped us reach our crowdfunding goal over on GoFundMe. We are so excited to get this comic series underway. Now, depending on when you hear this ad, we're either still working away on this space adventure or it may be available already. The best way to find out is to head over to whiterocketbooks.com and see what the latest is. While you're there, you can look into all the novels of the Shattering series or Plexico's very popular Sentinels novel series. There's plenty to see, so come check us out. Once again, that's whiterocketbooks.com. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments Special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, theyardsaleartist.com, early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, a quarterly newsletter, and so much more. So these are the fine folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow. Bill Bear. Blasted or Stashin. Bob Buster. Braxton Underwood. David Collins, but you know him as Battle Wagon. The Duchess. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. Ivy Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price, come on down. Toronto Cop. And one-time donor Bradford William. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. So we will move on to social media, likes, shares, and retweets. From Crusader Chronicles episode 43, 
where we discussed Amazing Spider-Man 187 and X-Men 116. Aaron Head Moss. Well, I left my wallet with Elsa Get it. Alessio Chiappi. Andrew at No Fault Profit. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Oh. Oh. Auburn Elvis, thank you very much. Benjamin Reese. Bill Beer. Bill at Spy Vinyl. Casalette Podge JP. Charlie Yellow and Blue. I'm sorry, it's Charlie Green. Chris Leiden. Chris at BTO and Backbooks. Let it roll! What's happening here? <laughs> just go with it. Just let it roll. BTO, Bob and Turner Overdrive. Yeah, I had to catch on to it too. I guess you ain't seen nothing yet. Hey, I like this guy. Clint Burgess. Clinton Robinson. Coffee and comics. You know, when I look into a comic, Sometimes I see my reflection. Mm. Comic reflection. Courtney Holland. Danilo Dulay. Danny Penny. Dave Miller. David Mattioli. The Dame, Deborah Smith. Derek Malcolm. Derek William Crabb. Desi LaSalle. Don G. Braddock. Eric Best. Fan Film Fridays. Foster H. Coker Third. That's a name right there. Francesco Vanagoli. Gary Mooney. That's Jim's cousin. <laughs> Gene Hendricks. Gerardo Lizar Aguilar. Green Lantern HG. Give me a minute. That's what we like to call It's clearly Grezgors Skazinski. That's what I'm going with. Hal Jordan. Herman. Ivan Chudley. James Charles Huntley. James Jackson. Jeffrey Fonzo. Hey, Joao Renato Mariano. Joe Frazier. Oh, we want Joe oh, Frazier. Man, we got big time. Juan Pablo Cevalos Santa Maria. Cam Motoshimi. Keith Giles from the Keith Giles Band. <laughs> Ken Solo. Lana Van Vuren. Lance Thomas. Let's talk S.H.I.E.L.D. Louis Pestelski. M. Nelfel Afif Pratama. Manuel Canyet Mendoza. Let's see, we have uh, Maggie from Mary with Comics Podcast. Max Trevor. Michael Winston Victor Dolson. Michelle Siskoid Albert. Mike Doyle. Nigel Kimber. Olivia L. Diffin. Omaha Bound. Fancy. Patrick Coyle. Philip O. Philip Walton. Philip Packer. R&D Adventures. Randall Andrews. Ray Majewski. Raymond Corden. Robin Bernard. Ronald P. Orr. Or what? <laughs> Ross Michaud. I choose Ross. <laughs> no offense, Ronald. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Stephen Gillespie. Steve Barnes. Steve Try. Tree. Jason Succeed. <laughs> the Hammer Strikes. And random geeky stuff. Tim Price, come on down. You're the next contestant on Crusader Chronicles. Trekker Talk. All right, I'll do my best. Give me a beat. <laughs> 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 
Well, there ain't no packing like the unpacking packing of the power pack packing of the power pack. You got the little power packers, the little power packers, and they're all packing that power pack. That's one of our finest ones. That was impressive. All I get is Bernard Jeffries. Warlord Whirls. Wayne Burroughs. Jan Meliard. Zachary Carter. And, Woo! well, that was a lot. Yes. Uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of love on that one. That's to be like 10, 15, possibly 18 names. I didn't learn how to count that high in Alabama. We will move on to uh, website comments. Website comments. What the? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, oh, it's Tim, of course. He goes to the website because he's a website goer. Tim said, great episode, guys. I loved it. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, that's what it says. Uh, And like, won't be an under to make things up. We will move on to social media comments from... Jared, go ahead and pick one, please, sir. GLHG said, good episode, guys. I loved it. (laughs) All right. Courtney Holland says, with Delvin as Spidey. And I don't know why people will insist on putting you in a costume, sir. (laughs) Everybody, that came from our live stream when people decided they wanted to see you in a Spider-Man costume. Given, Given the choice, I would rather be Moses Magnum than Spidey because you get to see my face. Oh, there you go. I'm not doing it, but still. Uh, okay. <laughs> I am going to pick one from Ross Michaud. And Ross says, strong pod performance from the Mac Daddy Prime of the crew. D. Ray, 1977. Earned your 17 and a half cent today, Major. So much so, I'm sending you a tip. Send me your APO and that 3.5 cent check will be in the mail. I told him, see, he can keep the tip because he was so nice with that compliment that I didn't even need it. It was very nice of Ross. I'll pick one up here from Auburn Elvis, who says, the plague storyline is weirdly appropriate these days. Not sure what he's talking about. I don't know either. Something, is something going on out there? I don't know. I don't go outside. Van, want to take one? I, what is a Gene P.S.? Tim Price says, if I get lost in New York or New Jersey, I feel like I missed a joke from an earlier episode. Right. We had a guy write in about where to find these actual places in New York. Oh, okay. His name is Gene, so instead of GPS, he's saying Gene P.S. Gene Maps. I got you. I thought it had something to do with genes like you were mapping your genetic system. Oh, I, I could It's the X-Men good. after all, so. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Fair point. And I will wrap up with Tim Benson, who says, uh, this pair format was a lot of fun to review and discuss. Favorite episodes from LBC for sure, because we had uh, Tim from Omaha Bound. I'm so fast. And he did a great job. We appreciate him. He was probably the best fifth guy that we have ever had. Without Clearly the best fifth guy we've ever yeah. had. Don't feel bad, Van. He's a sponsor for the shows. <laughs> <laughs> to cut y'all a chick. He does. Okay, for real, here's Tim's website comment. Tim says, Amazing Spider-Man 187. It's a first read for him. Sad reading rainbow theme. I don't know if it's a first read. You should get a good one. Anyway, yeah. he gave the cover a five, said it was awesome. He said, as far as the issue goes, if I was musical genius Joe November, he'd go 4.5, because the plague just makes me shake my head. But since I ain't a genius, musical or otherwise, it gets a five. Woo! Cap and Spidey, my two favorite Marvel heroes. I also have to give the colors a shout out for making the reds and blues of each hero different like they should be. 
interesting note. Spidey's being just a shade darker. Well done. X-Men 116 was a reread for him. He gave the cover a four, said it was super dramatic. Red Hot Colossus is scary. He loves it. Point off for the lame-o villain. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> His name is Kirok. <laughs> just Kirok, your honor. It's just you know, He gave the issue a four. He said it had pretty powerful character moments, laying the groundwork for future growth. Garak the Petridge... <laughs> I'll try it again. Garak the Pepperidge Farms man. So he's not made of stone. He's just made of cookies. <laughs> and I like that he's gotten in on the joke that nobody mm. gives Garak... Oh, I used his proper name. Any respect. <laughs> yeah, who? <laughs> Kirok, your honor. Pepperidge Farms remembers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We made it through. We had a lot of feedback on this. Yes. Well, thank you so much, everybody out there. Yeah, that was awesome. There was a comment. I, I want to read it. I don't know if we ever got one from Saul Lerman, who no. said, Great Spider-Man story. One of my favorites. I love Electro. And the look on his face after the big reveal of the story was priceless. And, of course, we appreciate everyone's comments, new and old, but just wanted to put that new comment in there. And like Jared said, thank you so much for all of your comments. It's awesome to get those feedback. Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website Longbox Crusader Chronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Van for joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. And we will start with our guest, Van. You can find me all over the internet, including Facebook and Twitter, but you can also just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, and that has links to basically everything I do. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter, or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Jared. You can find me at D-E-E's Nuts. <laughs> but seriously, you can find me at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor. It's a new thing I learned about. I don't know. I'm on there. I've got like three or four followers. Got Parlor? Follow me. I don't know. Also, I'm on YouTube. Just search out Jared Albrick or just Yard Sale Artist. Easier to spell. You'll find me doing some stuff. Passing it to Delvin. You can only find me on Twitter because I'm very social media inept. <sighs> Lay sigh. D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Is that a French sigh I heard in there? You did. Good. Lay sigh. As, as if I were on a Bugs Money cartoon with Pepe Le Pew. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And again, I want to thank Van for joining us. And I've definitely been enjoying, Van, you're doing, you mentioned it through here that you're starting to do your kind of reread of comics from 1977. Am mm -hmm. I right? Yeah. Well, you guys kind of inspired me on that because every time a new one of your episodes comes out, I'm like, oh, man, those I love those books. And so I, uh, I went back to the month that I first started reading Marvel in uh, like April of 77 and did, I did one episode about the ones right before that in 77 and I just before I started reading. And then I've done one episode for April. So I'll be doing May as soon as dragon con stuff and all is over and I have time again. So yeah, that tells you guys. So I, that was a cool inspiration. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, Podcast energy. I'm looking forward for hearing more about them. So I yeah. definitely enjoy it. It's on the white rocket podcast network. It's on the, on the regular white rocket feed. Make sure you guys go check that out. 
And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered in to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing a Livestream on YouTube. The second Sunday of every month, 3.30 p.m. Central Time is when we do it. So check out the Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications of when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. <laughs> read them all. I was on mute. Damn it. It's, it's okay. We can just work it in. Let's not work it in. <laughs> Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. So, who's starting the podcast tonight? Well, I guess we can start if you guys are ready. I'm not used to starting this early. <laughs> We got guests, man. Let me say what Van always says to me whenever I record him. Let's move this along with some alacrity. Mm, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's I learned be, that word by getting <laughs> I, I thought that meant like bendable. And, That's like, elasticity. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was the. Uh, I thought that was the current. Uh, how things are powered. It's electricity. This is why we take so damn long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on mute, though, so you can do your thing, Pat. I'm muting. All right. Muting. If you guys are ready, we'll go. I'm All muted. Right. I'm I don't know what muted. I'm going to do with myself. You're not muted because the mute thing isn't on and we can hear you. All right. Now <laughs> I'm muted. Am I muting? Not you're, you. 
You're but I'm, I'm on mute, but you're not on mute. You're, you're not on mute, Garrett. <laughs> Fans acting like he's on mute. You're not on mute. Fans acting like he's on mute, but he's not really on mute. <laughs> All right. I can see who's muted. You guys don't know that. I can see who's all muted. I just came back off mute. Was I now I'm going to go on. You don't know. You never got on mute. mute. Was I muted or not muted? You, you've never been muted. Not once. Okay. So was I, okay. Like verbally or, or visually? Oh, boy. Wait, are you saying I've never been muted? <laughs> That's between you and your doctor. This bit never gets old. <laughs> Not yet. Hold <laughs> on mute. Well, thank you, Pat. I just want to tell the team, okay, we need more training. Jared, you're chopping that sound quality up. Speaking of sound quality, Pat. you're going to have to start this whole yeah. bit again. Yep, <laughs> yep you're chopping. God dang it. You are chopping. That's what happens you when you go on mute and then you not go on mute. It's going to bite <laughs> well, you. Well, you butt. put me on mute. That's why I never go on mute. Did he ever? I never get choppy. Uh, to bring it into pod territory, but uh, this is you're cutting out. Really good. Speaking uh, to the mic. Speaking to the mic. Don't speak into the camera. Speaking to the mic. <laughs> yeah. Start with. Uh, Start over again really with. Um, how you doing today, Jason? Good to hear. You. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties today. Do the Sean Connery bit again. What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? But boy? make it more funny. You love my body. <laughs> <laughs> It's as funny as it gets. It's the same bit every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why you got the mute button on, Jason. But yeah, if you hit it again, I never put the mute button on. Don't even say. <laughs> Jason's frozen. Oh, oh. Oh, that's all. Let's just move along. We'll move the show faster. Come on, let's go, 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 go. <laughs> Man and I are Team White Rocket. Yes, I like that's it. We are. You guys are Team Chumps. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, parallel at well, you, all. well, you're a loser. <laughs> just what are you even doing here? You're just a loser. You guys suck. You suck. <laughs> you don't take care of your ants. 